Elizabeth. It is very early to be recording. Has the sun even come up yet? Not even. Sun ain't even warm yet. Sun's getting real low there, big guy. (laughs) Ah, it is a nice day, though. Is it, though? (laughs) Yeah, because... It's the week of Valentine's Day. Oh, oh, you mean metaphorically. Okay. Yeah, I no, so. I didn't mean the gray nonsense outside. No, I meant in our hearts, in our souls. Yeah, yeah. Our, the, the warmth of our hearts shall warm up the dreary day that is outside. I don't know if you know this about us. We're pretty sentimental. Fools. Sentimental fools is what we've been called. Some of us have even been referred to as sappy on more than one occasion. You shut your mouth. I know. <laughs> well, I think it's only fair then that we talk about the sappiest and saddest of all the things first then. We just went and saw the Oscar animated shorts nominations. They're all so sad and so pretty. <laughs> There are five that were nominated. I don't know if that is um, standard or if that has been standard or is now standard or not. Uh, We've only seen it twice. And the year previous that we saw it, which was actually two or three years ago. Yeah, I think it was 2016 nominations, honestly, because it's been a while. Yeah, I don't even remember who won it that year. I'm sure it was something Pixar but it seems to be the case yeah it was I remember it was a lot of fun because you just didn't really know what was coming next and it was just it was a lot of fun because you got to see things you hadn't seen before you can also tell that it's framed for the consideration and to be slid into other things because it has uh, transitions and title cards that weren't part of the animated short, just like a film reel comes up and the music plays and swells. It's very much like the Oscars before the Oscars get here. Yeah, it's definitely like something that they would send to people like, hey, go vote type thing. Like, okay, you've watched them all, now go vote, you know. I still am not sure why they don't open voting up to the public for this. Because they don't appreciate art. So we can... We can elect our government, but we can't pick what entertainment we most enjoyed? Apparently. Apparently. Okay, good. As long as we're all clear on that. So the five nominees. Aaron, what was the theme of this year? You said the theme most fittingly, I think. The theme is, hey, these are going to be really beautiful, but you're going to get hit in all the feels. We cried at every single one. Except except for for the funny one. Yeah, except for the funny (laughs) one. But even that got a little dark at at one point. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, tell us who the nominees are this year. The nominees are Bao from Pixar. Animal Behavior from Canada, One Small Step from America, Late Afternoon from Ireland, Weekends, again from Canada. Was that, I think oh, was that all five? <laughs> there were two uh, runner-ups. Yeah, and those were um, The Wish Box, and I don't remember, I think that was from... Tweet Tweet. And Tweet Tweet. Tweet Tweet was from Russia, I remember that. Yeah. And then... Um, one or wishing box was I think from America or England. It was kind of interesting to see the runner ups. They were still executed well and their stories were still good, but you could tell it was like that one step from us being at SCAD, everyone else in the animation classes final versus like the real good kids who worked their heart and soul to the bone to make this happen sort of thing. The B plus to maybe A minus kids to the A plus slash getting jobs before they get out of school kids. Exactly. Also interesting to note, uh, there's a lot of cool things about the 
runners this year, Bao is part of Pixar's new animation program. They're still doing animation, of course, at Pixar, but this is part of their new uh, shorts program where they're having people from different walks of life and different backgrounds come in to tell their own stories as part of an inclusion of diversity within the company. So it's not always just a bunch of white men running everything. Uh, This is the director's first woman to make a Pixar short. And she, we actually read a little bit about her, about how Bao uh, has two meanings. One is an actual, like, literal dumpling, but one is also my dumpling, my baby, my cutie. Yeah. And I thought that was so cute. Because I believe, does Bao mean dumpling? or? But I think Bao means child. Yeah, but they were using it as, like, a metaphor to say, because yeah. you could say sweetie, baby, cookie, honey, and all Dump- those. Yeah, dumpling. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 <laughs> I, I, I definitely got that. So, Bao, we got to see before Incredibles 2, so we already knew saw that one coming in. If you've seen it before, so charming. The animation, the way that they animate their eyes, whenever they open up, it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, ah, quick, quick, run. They use that to their advantage, <laughs> yeah. so it's it, it's not um, cool almost stereotypical. No, no, not at all. It's cool character design. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that one is really, really good. Unfortunately, it is the front runner that we don't think it should be the front runner. But it also kind of introduces the theme. I know Aaron's the ones that uh, Aaron said the theme is things that make you cry. But for me, the theme is uh, sad childhood and parent child relationships. That's kind of the crux of what most of these are, which all is... All except for that one. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're all very <laughs> indicative. So, Bao is all about this relationship between mother and child. The one that we want to win is... Uh, should we save that one for last? And keep yeah, let's guessing? save that one for last. Okay. Yeah. Next was Weekends. I really dig the style of Weekends. I really appreciate that sketchy line watercolor quality. It just... Oh, yeah. You didn't see it in any of the other animated movies. They used to have these shorts on, like, Nick Jr. or... Uh, uh, early Nick and stuff like that that would be just really kind of obscure animation or something like that and there's this one where it's these two hands doing a project and the two hands would morph into this like brother and sister who are trying to still do the project but instead of it being you know them life-size it's them miniaturized and they still had that same kind of style and it really reminded me of that kind of imagination real kind of kid like the world is too big. How do I deal with it? Yeah. It's really like most shorts that there's very little dialogue, if any, very little sound, if any. I don't think, I think the only soundtrack for weekends was when they were actually playing, uh, uh, I want my MTV. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, the, uh, cause it starts, uh, with, this little boy kind of packing up and kind of waving by to his mom. They've moved into a new house and yeah. a man pulls up in a car You're like, oh, is this a divorced relationship? Is, is this father? And then faintly, Aaron like whispers to me, is that, is that I want my MTV playing? I'm hear, like, there's no you, way you they hear, got the rights to that. From inside the car, and then the car door opens and it comes blaring out. We got some microwave ovens. It was a great way to use that. I don't know how, like, I just love that that crux of it. So, and there there was some um, very interesting imagery. I don't know why they did it, be, but that's I mean that's a artist's choice. Uh, I won't. I don't want to spoil it because this is definitely something that you need to go and experience for yourself. If they're still available to watch, we 
kind of got in at one of the last showings. Oh, I'm sure that this will be some, you can watch it somewhere. I don't know where, but this will be somewhere you can watch. Erin, I think you said it, that this one, because of its slice of life nature, doesn't have a fulfilling ending like an end point i was pretty sure that you said that actually oh did i well it's a good point either which way i said that i loved the imagery and the imagination but i didn't really care for the ending it just it kind of ended it didn't really like have an ending and i understand that it might be the story but it just ended so all right the next one that we're going to talk about we're actually going to go funny um this one which is kind of how it worked in the theater we watched two really sad ones back to back and then this one came on i'm like oh good canada's here (laughs) (laughs) and there was i remember there was this animation show again early nick early cartoon network that was like called like oh canada or something like that that would just have animation from canada that was really funny and really kind of out there so this this is just akin to that and this is called Animal Behavior, and it's about a group therapy session where it's just animals talking about their feelings and what's ha- been happening. And it's hilarious because it's not just like dealing with like stereotypical problems where a pig is an overeater, but it's also dealing with like a leech who is uh, a cling, uh, like a stage five clinger. <laughs> <laughs> they are really good about introducing different stereotypical animals into the group like there's a cat and a pig but they do not get the focus it's about the praying mantis and it's about the bird oh my god that bird that bird that that bird he gets he gets his part in about uh halfway through and my god does he steal the scene but so dark yeah like i would want to if this was a play i would want to play that bird It does a great job kind of um, giving focus to all the characters, including the the uh, oh, dog psychiatrist. Thank you, psychiatrist. <laughs> I was going to say psychoanalyst, but um, even he kind of gets his own little moment. So, yeah, this is almost like a one act play in a way, like a little quick five minute play. It does a really great job of not making fun of mental health. But it does kind of put light on some of these issues. So this is a very well done one. The animation, uh, specifically, what got me was the the mouth movements, the um, lip syncing got got me a couple times. There was one point when because um, there's an ape in this, he's like fluid. It like it is matching up directly. And then there's other times when it you could tell like they couldn't match it as much. So I was like, uh, it, it drew me out a little bit. I'm picky about that stuff. So <laughs> I will say I like it better than the one that Canada showed a couple of years ago. This one just had more of a cohesive storyline. Are you talking about the bus one? The bus one. Oh, the bus one was sweet. I, okay. Now, I'm not I'm not saying the bus one was bad. I like this one more than that I, one. Yeah, this one was much more cohesive all around. This one was a better product. This was a much more finished product overall. Lots of laughs in the theaters when yeah. we were watching it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there, there was this couple that was, or not a couple, but there's just two people sitting in front of us who at one point during bow there's something that happens traumatic but funny if you get past the trauma because they laugh and she is laughing like a hyena and then realizes no one else is laughing in the theater and quickly quiets herself because she because she know i think she had seen this and so she knows what's going to happen so she's laughing and then she realizes like no one else is laughing so she goes ha 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 
I mean, the absurdity on its face is what's humorous, but the, yeah. the whole psychological background makes it really hard to laugh at that part. It's like, ah, uh, I'm sitting Wait. behind someone who's a little crazy. So <laughs> I know, that was really bad. I'm sorry. That was, it was, it was like jarring. So animal behavior was like, it was a nice, uh, refreshing short. Our second favorite oh. of the day was so beautiful so heart-wrenching and by god were the accents are beautiful too it's so pretty uh, another 2d animation which i can never get enough of in mm-hmm. these things it's yeah. gorgeous um i really do love the style that comes out of ireland this did remind me very much of the secret of kells the uh simple lines the beautiful colored textures the movement it's about a woman whose house is being packed up implied that she's moving Um, but each thing that she is encountering takes her back to her childhood there are parts where like she falls into a cup of tea and swims through and emerges on the shore when she was a child and she's running along this uh, shoreline and talking to her father about the ships out at sea very beautiful another part leads her to when she met her husband there's all these gorgeous moments of her slipping in and out of lucidity until it culminates in like the big reveal that you've kind of known the whole time but it's executed so wonderfully that you can't help but cry the acting i don't know who they got i I don't know if these these women are known in ireland but these women did a fantastic job i am drawn in every scene i do know that this was directed and animated by uh, a couple of women louise bagnall is the at least the animator um that we've got here but it's god is it beautiful i cannot wait to see more of her work like this this is so well done like this is the kind of story that's made for animation if this was a live action thing, you could do it, but it would be like, oh, how you're pulling at my strings. You're being maudlin on purpose. It's very emotionally pull at my heartstrings. By doing it with animation, it does it simply. Yeah, it, it it would be one of those things where it'd have to be like overly to do it the way they did it. It would either have to be overly CGI or it'd have to be like one of those things where they do play a camera trick on you, where like it kind of spins around and there's suddenly so, I'm this. Yeah, suddenly there's a child in the seats, you know, where the old woman was sitting or something like that. It was, but. It, I don't want it to be like no, animation yeah. is as an art form now that doesn't have to be for children. Mm-hmm. Animation it, excels when it tells a story that can only be told with this medium. Exactly. So this was, I, I, we can't say much more about it. This is one the late afternoon. Um, and I swear to God, I'll be plus screw you. <laughs> Looking at uh, this, a review from yeah, IndieWire. Yeah, IndieWire is not giving this nearly enough because they are... This is our second favorite. So it was, um, what would you say? The weekend was fifth. The Animal... We- I, I, and that's the problem is, is out of the five... Which the were weekend, all good. Like, the weekend against some other things is still very strong. It's just, it's hard because the story, you had a ramp up... Or you had like, you know, it's it went and went and then you had a ramp up and then you had a kind of almost a culmination and then nothing else happened. It, there was no yeah. d- denouement, you know. Uh, so Weekend was number five. Animal yeah. Behavior was number four. 
Bow was number three. Yeah. Late afternoon was number two, and then the one we've been following for months throughout its production, the one we are most excited about, and the one that absolutely should win. A uh, special shout out to Catherine Hicks, who also went through SCAD after us, um, because she's the one that she's kind of like my animation, like the person who feeds me my animation. She's the one that introduced me to this on Facebook, and by God. I, I watched it on Facebook, and I am so happy that I did because I would have been bawling my eyes out if I had watched it only in theaters. This is what Bao wants to be. Bao is like when you had a pie, and the pie is almost perfect. It's like missing that one ingredient. Like it's if you like you threw an ice ice cream on it just to make it just perfect. One small step is when it is. Perfect. You threw in that extra little bit of seasoning in there, or you added that one little ingredient, and it's perfect. I love the animation. It's the best relationship of 2D and 3D that I can think of, where it's all about shapes, but it still inhabits a three-dimensional space. It's a wonderful story. It's got one, it's two characters, two wonderful characters, even even a couple side characters who show up. Uh, the boy who's always next to her when she's in class and the, <laughs> the small little like high five they do when they both get a test right. Just... And, and, there, and they, he actually does come back at the end, too. So yeah, the graduation. But there's... It's, it's all about this girl and her father. It is 100% about this girl and her father. It is beautiful animation wonderful storytelling it is 100 percent through there there's like little grunts here and there but there is no dialogue i think the only dialogue is at the very beginning when they have the footage of the first spaceship that actually made it to the moon which kind of sparks her entire interest in the whole enterprise like i i have to go to space this is what i want to do with my life the textures are gorgeous and I really absolutely felt every scene. Like I felt like I was in San Francisco. I felt like I was in the college. I felt like I was there. The thing about One Small Step is that we have been able to see step by step the process and progress of this particular short because they've been sharing animatics and color palettes on their Instagram. We could follow along and see that and their own little personal journey. I feel like Pixar has to keep things so tight into the vest that they don't have the ability to expand on this sort of thing and be like, hey, so we have a person who's working on her story. Come check it out. Look at her behind the scenes stuff. It's also highly classified. Whereas one small step gets to just exist in the world of the artist today, which is to interact with the people who are interested in it and say, hey, look, this is the breakdown of the animation. Here are some cool behind the scenes sketches. What do you think? And they actively are encouraging people who do fan art of it. They're sharing it. They're like, oh, this is great. Thank you all so oh, much for the man. support. I didn't know that. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, people are doing all sorts of stuff for it. Um, the really nice thing about all of these, about most of them, is that they inserted videos of the nominees receiving yes. word that they had been nominated. Yeah, there was three. It was... Um, uh, Animal we, Behavior, yeah, Late they, Afternoon, and, and One Small Step. Yes. And Animal Behavior was kind of fun. It was fun because of how 
of a non how much of a non reaction there was. Well, apparently they uh, were nominated and won twenty five years ago. This exact same animation duo, the man oh, and woman, which I see, was I crazy. Can see that <laughs> they're uh-huh. still it's that's really impressive. That's still in the game twenty five years later. Like we're, let's yeah, crank so, yeah. get another one. Kind of like Glenn Keane and um, yes. you know Don Bluth and stuff like that. But the two that were just absolutely like late afternoon, they were like they're watching and then record and recording and like whenever they found out, they're like. Oh, they scream the hug and I'm like oh my god oh my god it's just it's so fun and beautiful one small step the the gentleman it's either it was either Andrew Chesworth or Bobby Pontius uh, Pontius whoever was being filmed when it happened they literally just broke down and fell on the floor crying and I'm like that is a person who has put their heart and soul and passion into this project you feel it every goddamn second and I'm sorry I'm calling you out, IndieWire. You only gave this a B, and you gave Bao an A. This needs to be either on the same level as Bao or higher. Bao is good, is good, is good. It's a good, cohesive story. This is a better overall story. I think that the reason they give it to Bao, and I think the reason I think Bao will win is that, one, it's more the story of a mother and the son is a secondary character, and not a lot of stories deal with a mom, more about what their children aspire to be because their parents like one small step. Okay. Two, I think, is the turn. It's an unconventional story about a dumpling who's a child, and the turn when you are revealed that this was a metaphor, and the physical, what she does to this child to make sure that he never leaves, and how it tears them apart, and how he then returns, and... Then this needs to be an A-. minus. I would say it's... If you're going to do the minuses, this needs to be an A-, minus because... Late afternoons is a B plus. This is only a B. Late afternoon is a B plus. Like late afternoon is a great story. It has a great turn. It it it, it works really wonderful well. Wonderful warmth. Wonderful sound design too, and yeah. uh, music. But one small step is just. It's our favorite. Oh, so we're beautiful. very biased. And we have done literally the longest opening to an episode. Thus far, I told you. I think I think I kind of planned it out this way that this was going to be a two-part episode. First half, I'm even going to put that on the picture. First half is all about the Oscar animated shorts. Second half is about the actual freaking movie that we watched. <laughs> so if you have a chance to watch them, I think they're on shorts.tv. They they were saying you could watch them in if different areas. And we got vote to go, for them. yeah, and and vote for them. We got to go and watch them in the theater. Which was a, a, a Super very... Super cool. And if you have a chance to go and watch the animated shorts in the theater, whether it's this year, next year, highly, highly suggest it. I'm trying to figure out what the best way to make more people see it, not force, how to allow... <laughs> you will watch this now. How to allow more people to see it. I really want some more studios to apply the Disney idea, which is in front of our animated movie, we will release a short We've seen every Disney animated short, and it, with the exception Almost. of a few of them, which are blatant like Frozen ripoffs or whatever, yeah. we get to but have even that Frozen one was still funny. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's always it's always funny, and I think the problem is that these shorts are some of them more for adults, which means that a studio who's putting out an adult movie would have to have the courage to say, you know what, 
this movie looks like it's going to be nominated for an Oscar. Let's put it in front of our film. I think the reason what would happen is because there's no studio control. They wouldn't be able to make the artists do what they want. They would literally have to say this finished product is good enough to put in front of our product, but we're not going to change anything about it. And I don't know how to make that happen without some sort of systemic change. Well, that's the issue then, because they do have like mini movies, or they used to have things where they had shorts in front of it. Because there, there, there have been movies in the past that had shorts. I remember there was a Nickelodeon movie that had essentially the pilot to Cat Dog in front of it. Um, there was a Disney movie that had a Mickey Mouse short in front of it, but I'm talking mid to late nineties. And it was like a weird one where Mickey got his brain switched. I remember that one. But those are all from within their own studios. Right. These are not within the studio. You're, oh, you're talking about having like, okay, we're going to release a DreamWorks picture with a No, no, not even, not, even, not even animated movie. It has to be a, a live action regular movie for adults that they put these shorts in front of. It's the only way to not have competing interests. Oh. To have a wider range that's not just children seeing it, maybe, maybe it's up to the movie theaters. Instead well, of it being studios, you play your trailers in front of certain movies. The movies aren't shipped with those trailers. They say these trailers will work acceptable for this movie. What if, okay, if you're an R-rated movie, this is the short. We'll play animal behavior in front of R-rated movies, and we'll play uh, one small step in front of family movies. And well, I know, like um, another shout out to Central Cinema. You know, they have they were playing Looney Tunes shorts in front of things. Yeah, and exactly. I think they got a pretty high response off of it. I know I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, and Warner Brothers isn't funding any of those movies. It's exactly. because it's been far enough in the past. Maybe that's it. Maybe you only play these in front of theaters that are doing just like old screenings of old movies. Like, hey, by the way, also this year, some Oscar nods. That's and- not a bad idea, like where it's like a smaller independent theater or like or like with it, like where we went and saw this movie, you know, you we can call show it the art. We call it the artsy theater because they always show like the artsy movies that are bound to win Oscars every year. Oscar and- baits or stuff like that. Yeah, but really good ones. We've really enjoyed them. <laughs> I feel like that's not a bad idea. It's a definitely a good way to get the um, the exposure out there another way is to maybe come up with some sort of social media thing too i don't mean like do a hulu channel which or or oh that would be perfect darren you just hit the nail on the head every year you release a hulu channel that has like past years nominees and winners and then you're like oh and here are these years nominees that's the perfect way to do it by doing it streaming as opposed to in actual theaters if they're not going to be you know secure enough in their product to say okay we'll show a short from someone else in front of it then put it on hulu that's really that's aaron kudos to you i was just trying to build off of your really good idea (laughs) we highly recommend that you see all of them they were all wonderful and they will make you cry because apparently that was the theme this year yeah it was hit you in all the right feels So let's go into break and then let's talk about the actual movie that we watched. You realize that we haven't actually done our opening, right? Oh my gosh, he's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And we're married to the idea. And today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. Is that easy? Go to audibletrial slash married to the idea. Aaron, quick, what's our, mo- what's our book for the day? What's the book? What's the book? What's the book? Well, no, no, no. no this, I'm not doing... This is the It's half the time, Aaron. Quick, do No, the that's the pre-roll. Aaron! 
Tell me what the book is for this. Okay, so if we're going into halftime, I'll just say uh, our audiobook today to go with the movie that we will be talking about, which we'll tell you about in just a second. We are suggesting Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe. Not Willem Defoe, but Daniel Defoe. Willem. <laughs> Willem Defoe. Defoe. There are plenty of narrations out there, so if you want the abridged version or unabridged versions, there are plenty if to choose from. Never actually read Robinson Crusoe. Definitely take a read, take a listen, if you will, from Audible. It's one of those classic survival stories that used to be like the story that i was really obsessed with when i was a kid um yeah no i know you're looking at me like the weird look like elizabeth likes that kind i've of known thing. you for 12 year 12 plus years i never knew that my favorite book for years was called the island of the blue dolphins now see i knew that yep and it's a newberry winner but it's literally this girl who is alone on this island who has to figure out how to make it until someone comes to find her she's already a native dweller so it's a lot of learning about culture and a lot of learning about the different parts of the island there's a lot of I mean, again, it's so much intrigue for just one girl on an island. I really enjoy it a lot. So Robinson Crusoe kind of tickles that itch for me right there. But the reason that we're recommending Robinson Crusoe is because there is a character in it named Friday, who is literally the idea that the character, that the name for his girl Friday is based on. A Friday is a person who just goes and runs and does things for you. It's your gopher. It's your Friday. Oh... I know, right. So I always thought the title His Girl Friday meant His Girl, Friday, not His Girl Friday. Yeah, a Girl Friday, it's like Girl Friday is an assistant like, who Yeah, does like chores. His Girl Assistant or His but Girl Helper. But it's not even a girl, helper. it's just an assistant. It doesn't have to be a girl at all. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, no, I get you. It's just, it's a signifier, basically, so... We're talking about, I think we're pretty much just going through Lorelai Gilmore's list of must-watch movies, because we uh, already did It Happen One Night. We are now on to His Girl Friday. Yeah, I, it was not even meant to be. I read somewhere that this was a classic alongside of It Happened One Night. I was like, hey, we should watch this. Not knowing exactly <clears throat> what I... <sighs> we have thoughts. Opinions, if you will. Yeah. It happened one night. We we reviewed that back when we were still doing a scoring system, you know, back in the old, old days of 2018. And we couldn't really find much fault with it. It was really fun to talk about. And it was really fun to learn, like, the history of the movie. But this movie exists in such a bubble. And we're viewing it at a certain point in history where there are a lot of opinions and thoughts about the whole idea. But... Let's start with the very beginning. This is based on a play, and there is not a woman in that play. There is not a woman opposite the Cary Grant character. It is actually about two men who are uncovering a story. Literally, what happened was they were reading the script, planning an adaptation of it for a film where it was just two guys trying to get a story, a scoop, and the director liked the sound of the female secretary reading for one of the parts so much that he said, you know what? Rewrite the whole thing. I want it to be about a guy and a girl. And that's where we got the movie from. Is it not the weirdest thing? Oh, yeah. During the 1930s, Howard Hawks was hosting a dinner party where the topic of dialogue was brought up. He pulled out a copy of the front page, that which I guess is, is what this is based on, the play. Uh, to demonstrate the snappy exchanges between characters taking the role of Burns. 
uh, Cary Grant's character. A female guest took the role of Hildy. While reading, Hawks realized the dialogue sounded much better with a woman reading and quickly secured the rights for the film from Howard Hughes. Ben Height, 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 the author of the front page, approved the gender change and the screenplay was put into production. That's literally it. I like how it sounds when a woman reads it. Put, make her, like, that's the crazy coolest unintentional feminist moment I've ever heard. Yeah. Wait a minute, this sounds so much better when a chick reads it. You know, you know it would be better here? Abroad. But even so, they rewrote the entire thing to include her. Not, And she's not even like a, just a gender swap. They have a whole story arc about her as a woman in the business and what she wants to do with her life. Yeah, it's so... Like, it it doesn't feel like shoehorn because um, the movie Hot Fuzz, Danny's character, which is played by Nick Frost, was actually originally supposed to be a woman, which was supposed to be his love interest in the in the movie. And there's some of the lines that are still the same line. <laughs> and, like, it's so strange because or some of the exchanges, because you like you, you hear that and you're like, oh, Okay, and it, but it works because it's not a love interest or that kind of love interest. It could be like a love between friends. But when you hear with that, where it can kind of sound not a little awkward, but just a little not intended for a man, this, yeah, it's 100% intended for a woman. Yeah, they completely rewrote the whole screenplay to make sure that that made sense. Yeah, they didn't just change the pronouns and then like, you know, add like, oh, and here's a dame, you know? <laughs> like, the characters interact with... Um, Hildegard or Hildy as if she were a woman if she if she was a woman who had been there for years and years and years so mm-hmm. you are right that's actually really cool uh, there's a lot of cool things about this movie beyond the the plot which I think we'll get to later but there's so many fun facts about this uh, I did mention Gilmore Girls earlier uh, there is a reason for that <laughs> this scene has so much dialogue, so fast-paced, they couldn't catch it all with one overhead mic. They uh, Some scenes required as many as 35 switches from mic to mic to mic to mic to mic to get everyone's dialogue picked up. And it was so fast that it was about, what, 240 words a minute or some ridiculous fast pace. It Pretty much the script looked like a Gilmore Girls TV script and that it was twice <laughs> as long as any other and you had to fit a hell of a lot of dialogue in there really fast. Yeah. There was some times when you couldn't even understand the words. Like, that was one of the few movies, like, the first couple pieces of dialogue came up and I'm like, Liz, we got to put on the, the subtitles or else I'm not going to understand half of this because it's flying by me. <laughs> there is a lot, a lot to process. Now, you understand that a good half to a good portion of this is ad-libbed. Yeah. No, it should be. As it should be. (laughs) There's a a bunch of good ones. Let's talk about a few characters that we see in the story. We have Hildy, Hildegard, which is a great name. Uh, She is the female... No, we are not naming our child Hildegard. She is the female newspaper man who is going into the office to tell her former boss and former husband that she is getting remarried and leaving the newspaper game. She's going to go and have a bunch of tykes and have a husband who actually cares about her and not the story during their honeymoon. And she makes all of her good points. She's like, listen, you have been an ass to me. You are always manipulating me. Yes, you clearly love me, but you are not there for me. I'm going to go now be with a man who is there for me and get out of this scum and villainy of reporting. It's it's over for me. 
And he, being a Cary Grant and a bastard, decides to thoroughly manipulate her and every situation that he comes across to ensure that does not happen. <laughs> he is a bastard, guys. And what's really, what I did like about this movie is she sees through everything. Oh, yeah. She knows all his little tricks, all his little schemes. Like she, because she's probably lived all of them in essence, but it's so. Making sure the check is certified, putting the check inside the hat and not the coat, knowing immediately who has the watch. Oh, you got your uh, blonde girl to. <laughs> she gets him. <laughs> oh my gosh. He gets her poor fiance gets arrested on charges of robbery on solicitation on counterfeit bills he never has any idea where all this is coming from he's always like how did i get into jail again (laughs) (laughs) well i guess i'm back in jail they do a good job of making him sympathetic i feel for her fiance who clearly has talked to her enough to realize that she is wanting something different and even if it's not exactly what she thinks she wants, if she know if she wants someone to love her and to still be a newspaper person, which I think is ultimately what she does want, whether she gets it is another story entirely. But I think what she wants to do is she enjoys the passion of journalism and the scoop on getting a story. But she also wants a person who will sometimes put her before the story. And uh, again, I don't know if she actually gets that, but that's what I think she truly wants. And it's nice to see that she has a character who's willing to try and do that for her. Not Cary Grant. Cary Grant could give two craps. <laughs> Cary Grant wants the scoop, but he still wants her? Scoop first, girl second. Yeah, it's it's strange. If, here's the reason I can tell this was written back in the 1940s. The man doesn't learn a lesson. No. No lesson is learned. You can bet your bottom dollar that if Hildy was the main character and she had to learn, she would have to learn how to be more sympathetic and uh, attentive to her husband's needs. And sometimes a story isn't just, it's just a story and you should be there for the person you love. Cary Grant has no arc. He has no growth as a character. To be fair, I don't think Hildy does either. She kind of comes... I think she just kind of goes full circle, unfortunately, which is the... I think the fatal flaw of an otherwise well-executed movie. Yeah, see, like, with It Happened One Night, I felt like both characters had growth. Both characters had momentum, had movement. It felt a little bit like, you know, what was it? Star Wars and... Um, oh, yeah, Han um, Solo and Leia. Yeah, and... Um, oh, God. Uh, he had the, a- uh, the, the parody of Star Wars. Um, oh, Spaceballs? Spaceballs, where, like, he gets offered the million credits and, like, he only takes, like, enough for gas and food. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, he has to learn to stop being such a rogue. She has to learn to stop being such a prima donna. And they both find out about each other. This one doesn't have that, though. I think that's probably because it's an adaptation from a play. I kind of feel like a lot of characters in plays, it's not that they don't have growth. It's just a different kind of growth than a movie character arc. Yeah, but the problem is what character growth is there? That's what I'm saying. Like, we want Hildy to have growth. It looks like she is having growth that she is she learning. She finally is getting away from him. Like, she ha- she's had the growth off screen, which is okay because yeah. you see what, what happens is this film shows the growth of her in different ways. It's not showing it on screen. It, it She's had her growth already. She's had it off screen. 
But then it shows the momentum or rather the progress of it because she sees through all the little schemes. Like the whole thing with the check and the hat. She's like, uh, whenever you get your first check, it's it's tradition in the newspaper business to put the check in the lining of your hat. And like she's surrounded by other reporters and like, I've been in the newspaper business for 20 years and I've never heard that. Because she knows the guy's going to try to get the check off of him. So she knows all of his little tricks. Every single one. She she <laughs> cock blocks him again and again and again. Cock blocks. <laughs> she is clearly the better reporter. She clearly is the more interesting character. So it is really disheartening in the end for her to be like, oh, you got my fiance thrown in jail for counterfeit bills. You really do love me. I thought you were just going to let me go and live the life I wanted to live. But, oh, thank heavens you still love me. All right, let's go get married again. That felt so rushed. And apparently there were like two other endings, including one where he actually lets her go, but then has her arrested. And then one where, I don't know, he actually like does let her go. Which is what I thought this was going to be, honestly, because that would be his growth. He'd finally have growth. Yeah, okay, in the first for the endings, uh, Byrne fakes an accident which props Hilde to declare her love. The second ends as the stage original had, which Burns lets Hilde leave, then has her arrested. Only the shooting script ends with her letting her go, ends with his letting her go with his blessing, which convinces her to stay somehow. Not filmed, however, was that version's wedding scene. Good. So, I, I just... I like the dialogue at There's the end. There's some great dialogue all the way through it. There's a talk about how, you know, divorces don't mean anything today. What, just a judge has a few words over you? Divorces don't last forever. This clever play on the same things being said about marriages at the exact same time. A divorce means nothing. It's just a bit of paper. That, we was, can go that was some A-plus dialogue right there. Crazy but satire. I loved it. I just felt like the ending just came out of left field like she says this entire movie he's like all right fine you can go she's like you don't want me to go no i do want you no you want me to stay and be your reporter no you want me to stay and be your editor in fact you want me to be your managing editor he's like what that's my job he's like you i said co-managing editor and like because i just got you the scoop of the year the scoop of the century like like if it ended somehow like that where she undermines him that's what i thought we were leading to i wanted her to have more active role in her destiny as opposed to passive i wanted her to robin write this to house of cards this him to walk into the room and she's there at the head of the table and she's like sorry bye bye it's my paper now bye bye now bye felicia i really wanted that to be like her crazy comeuppance i wanted that to be the way that she finally gets the one on him he who has been manipulating her throwing her fiance in jail and being underhanded the entire time, promising uh, support to different governors' election campaigns just to get the story that they want. All the reporters are dogs. They start the whole movie off with a little thing that says in the dark time of journalism when journalists would crawl through your mailboxes to get a scoop. I hope we can be, you know, you can forgive us, but this was how it was. Anyway, once upon a time, yeah. <laughs> pretty much that reporters are the scum of the earth and they don't shy away from the fact that they lie about people involved in this case to tell their own stories, which leads to jumping from windows and... Uh, uh, jail breaks and all sorts of things. Yeah, because they're like they're obviously reporting the wrong things, um, and they're not even like trying to hide it. It's so weird. It's so crazy to see right now. Like I'm so glad they haven't 
remade this movie right now. Like, can you imagine a movie with that clearly shows the press acting in shady, underhanded ways for a scoop? Like, no, don't do it now. You gotta wait. <laughs> now they did make a movie. Um, it was either called Glass or no, wait, no, no, not, not Glass. <laughs> um, uh, Samuel Jackson Milk or, is no. the Morning Post. <laughs> It was something with the guy from the uh, new trilogy of Star Wars. Okay. And it's actually, the that's why they say, like, this guy is actually a pretty good actor. Look at this movie here. Um, it's where he's, um, he's like a student porter, or he's like a college reporter, and, like, he gets, like, this, like, really, really good story, and then someone accuses him of plagiarizing, and it's like, did he actually do it or not? And so they, it's real... Yeah. It makes me think of this one. It doesn't really matter whether the guy who murdered the cop, whether he did it on purpose or if he is insane. That's It's the reason that the reporters are all doing their job. The reason Hildy stays to try and cast doubt on the aspersions of the shrink. But it doesn't even matter if he actually is a good guy or a bad guy, if he did it on purpose or on accident. That's just the background noise for this bigger story, which is about the reporting business in general and the large conspiracy by the government and the elected officials and the higher-ups. Oh, my God, yeah. It's the, like... The incompetent sheriff and the morally reprehensible mayor. The governor who is never in... He is never <laughs> in. He is always hunting or fishing or something. And then, like, the governor's aide or whatever who's, like, kind of oh in the dim way. That was, that was really <laughs> silly. There was some interesting points in this movie that you're kind of like, am I still watching the same? Oh, yeah, I am. There's a bunch of witty things and funny things just from a today's movie perspective. Them talking into two different phones and they're the old fashioned phones. So one head piece on the ear and then one in your hand. They were holding them in ways that I'm like, oh, that's what people back then actually did to try and make this whole awkward phone situation work. They would hook the talker around the pinky and the hold the other one up to the ear. So it was like a little miniature cell phone that they could carry around. <laughs> and, um, Hilly's talking on the phone to someone uh, who will not give her grant. And she just like looks at the phone and goes, and just walks away like, ah, it's so so modern for someone to do that. (laughs) Or like uh, covering up the mouthpiece and like trying to like talk to uh, multiple multiple people at once, like just covering up like, what kind of pizza toppings do you want? Come on, come on, come on. They say a bunch of stuff about how how the reporters can't see things in front of their faces. Like, the murderer shoots a hole through the window, and when they oh. all come in to like say, "Hey, what's going on? What's that about?" They look out the window at the <laughs> at the executioner, and they look right through the hole in the window and don't notice the bullet yeah. shot hole in the window because they're so focused on the bigger thing. The window is like the window like rotates so they can kind of like peek their heads outside or like let air come in, and there is a gunshot. <laughs> Right above their heads, like or like uh, a broken window that is obviously like a gunshot, and he's just like, one of the, "Really? Yeah." One of the characters who knows it's there is like worried. Like looks at Hildy, and she's like, "They're nah. they're not gonna notice it. They they're not gonna notice it." <laughs> There's a lot of funny bits. It really it really has to do with that ending. Yeah, I don't know if you was, could have gotten that ending honestly back in the 1940s. Really, yeah, it was really strong until that ending, and I don't know how that ending could have been better besides them not ending together ending up together or ending up together but with her being like in charge yeah like i'm only gonna do this if you make me co-manager or something like that yeah now that you finally let go of me now it's my turn to be like well what do i really want 
oh you okay uh and i want this too please give me that you've been manipulating me this entire time I said to you, Aaron, it's very much like Barney Stinson gaslighting Robin for oh. nine months to finally get the perfect proposal on her. It's it's mean and cruel and heartless. God damn it, Bernice! <laughs> I wish that it played out differently. They had set up really strong characters. They don't even have to be likable. I think Hildy even does morally reprehensible things like hiding the murderer to get the scoop for her newspaper and uh, convincing him that he heard a speech in the park that made yeah. him think that guns are for use so he used his gun. I, it's all morally reprehensible but I'd be okay with it if she maintained her strength of character and strength of will that she had as opposed to it being what it is which is She's so turned on by the idea of the the fame and the changing of the world as a result of her reporting that she allows herself to get sucked back into this world and this toilet of a relationship that's just going to divorce and marry and divorce and marry again and again and again and she'll never have the upper hand. That's what really irks me. It's okay if they're disastrous together as long as she has agency in her own life. Exactly. Like she said, it's like, you never were going to make me uh, reporter and editor. It's like, I was never going to get further. And she's like, what do you mean? Like you never made me anything further. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to rub salt in the wound at the end, he's like, and I'm really going to take you on that honeymoon. Really? Niagara Falls? Yes. Niagara Falls. Oh, a strike in Albany. Huh? Okay. We can honeymoon in Albany. She just immediately like lets him have it exactly. and they walk out the door. It's terrible. It's like the whole thing got flipped on its head in the last 10 seconds. Yeah. It's like this, all this build up, all this build up, all this build up. And then just, <laughs> gosh, Ugh. I really did like it though. It's it doesn't... the dialogue is incredibly funny, fast paced and witty. But that ending. Yeah, but that ending, though. <laughs> so I was trying to think of a question, and I couldn't really come up with one besides, like, which one did you like more? It happened one night or His Girl Friday. But, like, did you have maybe a question? Oh, I think the question I had was, if we remade it, what would we do to fix it? Oh, so for me, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, at House of Cards, the ending. I'd have her pull one over on him. She learned from him all this time. He's been pulling her over for a sap, and then she gets to make the final call. They can even still like get together if that's what the movie insists upon. But I just want her to have the control. But at the if end. they if they are meant to be together, make him a little bit less of a dick. Yeah, he like, never does anything for her. That's very important to note here. He gives her everything that she asks for, but always with intentions to steal it back or twist it to his advantage. He never does anything nice for her. He just proves that he wants her by manipulating her. Exactly. Yeah, how I would probably remake this. That's a really good question, by the way. I wanted to uh, make sure you knew that. I would remake this. They would be internet reporters, so maybe like bloggers or like BuzzFeed, something along those lines. And I don't know if it would be necessarily like like a murderer or if it would be like something along the lines of maybe like a, a cop shooting. Like and have it reverse where a guy shooting a cop, maybe a cop shooting a, a guy. Yeah. Because that's a huge thing in the industry. Or in the, that's the correct flop. Because yeah. I was thinking about, there already is a race card played in this about how the cop who was killed was a black officer and how they need the black vote. So they're going to hang the guy 
for shooting him. And it's, it's a whole little racial undertone. I'm like, how can we flip that to not be that way? Yeah. But I think that's the way to do it, to make it that the cop shoots someone, and now we have to figure out, you know, the cop's motivation. Yeah, and see, like, for me, because I wouldn't want to make the cop the bad guy because the, the shooter isn't the bad guy. The shooter's like... I just... I'm so tired. Yeah. I am so tired. I've been hiding in this desk for three hours. Please let me out. I'll get hung. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> um, and I would make uh, Hildegard, you know, maybe like someone who wants to get out of this, but also at the same time, maybe doesn't. Maybe she wants to go and start her own paper or wants to go start her own site or something like Give that. Give her something that isn't just running away from something. Give her something she's running too yeah and maybe she's not running with another guy or maybe you know she has an investor you know change it up a little bit you know there's there are Let it be things. a compromise in the end like she wants to still be a reporter obviously but she wants someone who cares more about her than the story sometimes that's all she yeah. really wants she loves what she does but she needs someone who will love her too exactly and you know as someone who works in the news industry it's tough because you got to have that scoop you got to have that story but sometimes people will scoop you it's gonna happen no i i think i think it's absolutely doable in this day and age um and i could definitely see it like especially in some of those like slower paced scenes or those scenes like where they're like trying to transition you could definitely have like the the sherlock the the text popping up on screen yeah that would be fun some interspaced uh typing because it's really cool when they finally do read some of hildy's stories like they read what she's been working on and it's like really cool to see that she is a good writer it's it's oh, the yeah. opposite of the roy gilmore thing they actually do read some of her pieces and she is very good at what she does it's not just hearsay <laughs> Ooh, throwing some shade i on don't mean roy to gilmore Boy, they, they really wrecked her that's not my fault they wrecked her as a character it ain't my fault <laughs> It's almost like they hated their own character there at the end. So. Almost like. Overall, I guess we like this movie. Yeah, the no. ending kind of. For you, hurt, for but... us, we <laughs> the movie finishes, the the end goes up, and we both just go, boo. <laughs> like, it was going so great until the end. But I don't feel like, oh, I can't ever watch that movie again. I love all the fast-paced dialogue. I love the story. I love the characters. I just wish that they had a better finale. There's definitely, if I went back and watched it, there's definitely some jokes I didn't get or I didn't laugh at as hard the first time that I would definitely get more so the second time. Because I think there was a joke that I didn't understand at the time the first time or I didn't understand as he was saying you it. You got so. the rubbers joke. Yeah, I got the rubbers joke. And hey, then, why do you have your umbrella? It's not raining. You know, it said it looked a little cloudy this morning. Yeah, I guess you always got to be prepared. You got the rubbers. And he, and he just looks down at his feet. I'm, and you got that before I did. Uh, <laughs> always be prepared. Well, there's like there's just one part where they, um, he, he answers the phone and he starts saying like, Ah, Duke, how dare you do this to me on today of all days? And then it's like, <laughs> and it's this other guy is like, it's not Duke, it's Shorzy. Ah, Duke, how dare you? Do? And it's like he keeps going back and forth. Like the guy on the other end's like, what are you saying? And he's like, and he's and uh, and he's like, and he's uh, playing them. Duke can't find him. His first. wife had triplets. Ah, oh, we can't ah. find him at all. Wait, for a long time, this con goes on until finally, without without even much fanfare, she just turns to him and says. Wait a minute. Duke was married only four months ago. And he's like, ah. And they both just laugh. You got me. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> More I'm of that, Gary, please. Because I'm Gary Grant. 
Oh, and Cary Grant has a voice now. Oh, oh, he's always had a voice. <laughs> There's a character on Cat Dog that is a, a caricature of Cary Grant. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening for our completely split in half episode, as I knew it would be. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us at Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. And if you like what you see and want to get some exclusive content just for people with the cash money, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Married to the Idea. And you can pick one of the tiers to get special behind the scene content. We're currently uh, at video five that we're going to be filming for special behind the scenes stuff for our paying Patreons that will Actually, be uploaded to the site. Are we on number six? I think we're on number six. Number six because a trailer just dropped this week and you all know what it is and we have got to watch it and talk about it because it makes me blue dabba dee dabba die. <laughs> we have opinions, y'all. <laughs> So, uh, again, today's episode, since I didn't know this at the end, beginning, I'll do it at the end. Today's episode was brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched the selection of audio programs. Download title free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. And uh, that is not married number two, the idea. It's just married T.O., the idea. We hope you guys have a lovely Valentine's Day weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, whether your honey is your bay or a tub of ice cream. Sometimes I like a bay and a tub of ice cream, to be honest. A bay in a tub of ice cream. Ooh, intriguing. Uh, and some cherries. Okay. <laughs> and those chocolate jimmies. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what she's planning over here. Aaron, uh, step into this room over here. No reason. I've laid out an outfit for you, please. No reason. No reason. But uh, <laughs> if you have any ideas, be sure to put them on the comments or shoot us a message. We still have one more February episode, so if there's another romantic movie that you'd be interested in us doing. We're definitely not doing a month of love this time. No, we skipped right <laughs> over that and went right for the gut. Yeah. No, but it was... I it's a different kind of love this time. Yeah, it's a different kind of love. Love for the classics and love for animation, I would say, is this is this one. So Love of a mother and a child, which is the animated shorts. Not and from a, not from his girl Friday. Parental love. Parental love. There we go. <laughs> love for self, for animal behavior, and parental love. Yeah, justice for Hildy. Just hashtag justice for Hildy. But until next time, because I'm actually going to wrap this up on time, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.